0: We need to refocus training and conditioning to produce healthy active adults rather than injured adolescent athletes.
1: Hi everyone. My name is Dr. Rita Roy, CEO of the National Spine Health Foundation. And I'm your host for the Get Back To It podcast, where we tell real stories of healing and recovery. What does it mean to get back to it? It means overcoming injury through treatments that work in order to return to the people and activities you love, whatever that looks like for you. It means getting back to your life. We're here to share the success stories of those who did just that, and some of these stories you are not going to believe. The Get Back To It podcast tells personal stories from spinal champions, people who have been able to achieve a better quality of life through spinal health care. Today, however, we have the privilege of hearing an expert story from spine surgeon Dr. Thomas Schuler. Our topic is incredibly important, spine health for children and adolescents. Dr. Schuler will be sharing his expert story on the dangers of overtraining for high school athletes. For a little background on our expert, Dr. Schuler is CEO and founder of the Virginia Spine Institute. He has previously been the spine consultant to the Washington Redskins and frequently treats professional and amateur athletes. Dr. Schuler is a pioneer in the advancement of disc arthroplasty, minimally invasive spine surgery, and regenerative therapies. He has revolutionized spinal health care, across the Washington DC metropolitan area and the nation. On top of all of that, Dr. Schuler also serves as the president of the board at the National Spine Health Foundation. Now that you know what to expect, let's get back to it and dive right into Dr. Schuler's expert story. Spine surgeon Dr. Thomas Schuler has three children who have participated in a variety of sports over the years. He's also had the pleasure of coaching many teams of young athletes. This has enabled him to see firsthand how competitive some children and their parents can be.
0: I think it's very important for our children that we stop and think about what we're doing to them and consider the potential negative impacts on their health. We have gone from an era where children played and cross-trained in multiple sports to a time now where children focus exclusively on a single sport with hyper-intense and highly repetitive training. The child's goal, and often the parents, is to become an expert in that sport.
1: Professional athletes often push the limits to create a competitive edge over their opponents. Intense focus is placed on their fitness, training, diet, sleep cycle, and psychological practices to improve performance. To gain an advantage, some athletes may resort to illegal measures like performance-enhancing drugs. However, for athletes who outperform the competition legally, concentrating on the above-mentioned aspects of their health and well-being is their main focus.
0: Many professional athletes have supersized their strength training utilizing Navy SEAL style training or Olympic style weightlifting, including heavy squatting to try to gain an advantage. While this type of training may work well for some, for others, it may have actually shortened their career.
1: Dr. Schuler has observed that because professional athletes are pursuing hyper intense training as a way to gain an edge, we now see college programs embracing the same behavior. High schools are mimicking the college level training and even further down the ladder. Middle school athletes emulate the high school athletes You get the pattern. They incorrectly conclude that if it works for professional athletes, then it should work for amateur athletes too.
0: Heavy squatting done improperly is very detrimental to the back. Heavy squatting repetitively can put a lot of strain on the back. If an athlete's doing it and not having problems and is doing it properly, then that may be part of their routine. But it shouldn't be one size fits all and everybody needs to do it. I've taken care of professional football players Who I've had to take out of heavy squatting so they can continue their career. So it's important to understand it's not an essential part of every position and that it shouldn't be everybody has to do it because there can be a lot of injuries. There's a big difference between the bone health and strength of a professional athlete versus that of an adolescent athlete. The young athlete's skeletal structure is not mature enough to handle this type of intense training. This is only further complicated by poor technique, overzealous trainers, coaches, or simply the competitiveness to outperform an opponent.
1: As a result of overtraining and improper weightlifting techniques, Dr. Schuler and others in the world of spine health are seeing an epidemic of low back stress fractures, spondylolysis in adolescent athletes. The severity of this epidemic became blatantly obvious this past year when Dr. Schuler received a phone call from a father in Iowa.
0: His son, a 16-year-old elite-level lacrosse player, had been unable to play lacrosse for the past six months due to a stress fracture. It was caused by heavy squatting. So many trainers and coaches of these athletes are trying to force them to do heavy squats thinking that that's gonna be the game changer. And often it injures these high school athletes. Upon discussing his son's history, I discovered that the injury occurred during a heavy weight training session at the insistence of the coaches. And this is something which we really have to try to change. Heavy squatting in high school athletes will often lead to injury because of bad technique or just too much weight for the athlete, especially if it's repetitive.
1: In that same week, Dr. Schuler saw two other elite high school athletes who sustained the same type of fracture from squat training in the weight room with their teammates. Squatting and deadlifting have become the current strength training fad of professionals and, consequently, adolescent athletes. Dr. Schuler has observed that young athletes, frequently at the insistence of coaches and or prodding off their peers, are lifting too much weight with questionable technique and are seriously injuring themselves. The incidence of injuries has been rapidly escalating over the last few years. And his practice in particular is now seeing dozens of these types of injuries on a monthly basis.
0: Spondylolysis is a stress fracture through the portion of the vertebra that connects the front of the spine to the small joints in the back of the spine. It's a fracture through an area known as the pars interarticularis. That is a thin area of bone between the superior and inferior facets of each vertebral segment. Young athletes are particularly prone to fractures in this area since this is the thinnest area of the bone, and these athletes are skeletally immature. Before the age of 30, our bones progressively increase in density or get stronger. After 30, our bones progressively lose density. This is why elderly people are prone to osteoporosis, a disease in which the density of the bone is reduced. When spondylolysis, that fracture occurs, an individual frequently experiences pain in the back and potentially develops instability leading to a cycle of worsening pain and more instability. Even if the athletes don't sustain a fracture, they're developing many other injuries that can impact their ability to perform, the longevity of their sport, as well as the overall quality of their life.
1: Dr. Schuler comes to us not just sharing hard realities, but also the hopeful side of things with exciting news in the world of spine.
0: New therapies and technologies are helping patients treat spondylolysis. We have had successfully injected bone marrow concentrate, bone marrow cells taken from the pelvis, which have stem cells in it, and inject this into the fracture site to help them heal more effectively. The benefit of getting these fractures to heal with an injection rather than surgery or leading people in chronic pain is truly amazing. This is a great advance that we're very excited about and we're seeing these adolescent athletes heal problems before we struggled to get them back to play. Not only are they healing, they're getting back to the field and performing as if it didn't happen after an appropriate healing period of a few months.
1: Dr. Schuler offers common sense expertise on the smartest approach for training and conditioning that is consistent with the skeletal maturity of young athletes.
0: Cross training, adequate recovery or rest time, realistic time participating in the sport, and focusing on overall wellness go a long way in preventing many injuries, including these fractures, the spondylolysis. One of our goals at the Spine Health Foundation is to help educate the public and providers as to the appropriate treatment options as well as the preventative techniques. As this epidemic of high school and middle school athlete injuries worsens, we need to refocus training and conditioning to produce healthy, active adults rather than injured adolescent athletes.
1: Dr. Schuller, We are so grateful to have had the chance to hear your expert story today on this highly important topic. What's so impressive is that you are able to simultaneously approach the topic of adolescent athletic training from the viewpoint of a coach, a father, and a highly successful spine surgeon. Clearly, your vocation motivates you to have a special interest in this topic, but in hearing your expert story, I couldn't help but wonder about your more personal roles as a coach and a father. How have these roles in your life inspired your passion for safer young athletic training and prevention?
0: Well, I have the benefit or misfortune of not having athletic kids. I have not been trying to get my kids into being professional athletes. But the important thing as a physician, as a father, as a coach, is to help the children develop physically, emotionally, mentally, to be able to live a life. And so when we overtrain the kids, we potentially are shortchanging them from achieving their real potential and goal. Having a well-rounded program, having the kids encouraged to participate in multiple sports is something that really can help them get to their ultimate goal. And I think that that's what really drives me to try to make this point to so many people is that they don't make the air of hurting the kids just because they hope they have a superstar, they want to get a college scholarship, and getting them to a point that they can achieve what is best for that child. And if they have the skill, then hopefully to the higher level athletics.
1: I think you make such a really important point there that there's so many benefits that come from participating in youth sports, you know, teamwork, sportsmanship, you know, all these character traits that that are developed. And and we sometimes overlook those important qualities of why kids are signed up to participate in sports in the first place. And you really, you, know, you point out so vividly for us that, you know, oftentimes parents get caught up in going for a college scholarship, heading for the Olympics. My kid's going to be the best one or be on the strongest team or what have you. And really there's so many other benefits that come from participating in sports, which is building a lifetime love of exercise and athletics and, and like I said, teamwork, sportsmanship and those other qualities that are that are so important. I think your, your point about not over pushing the kids and being age appropriate with the training that they do is critical message and and we often uh, we often lose that message. Um, Dr. Schuler, you talked about the trickle down effect of young athletes looking up to older athletes and trying to implement the same training practices that their bodies are often not able to sustain. You've talked about skeletal immaturity. Who is responsible for communicating healthier training practices and prevention techniques to these young athletes?
0: So it's difficult because there's not one body or person that actually has that communication. And in this ever competitive world, everybody's always trying to get the advantage. You have the college coaches looking at what the pros are doing, the high school coaches are looking at what the college coaches are doing, the little league coaches are looking at what the high school coaches are doing. And I think that it's this whole waterfall tendency of what works at the top to get to the bottom. And and so it's the National Spine Health Foundation needs to be this voice to, to get this message out there because there is nobody else that is really doing it. And that's how we're uniquely seated to talk to the public and help them understand what is truly in the best interest of their children,
1: Dr. Schuler? That's such a great point. We do believe it is our mission to get these important messages out to the public here at the Spine Health Foundation. We are so grateful for how insightful and informative your responses are, Dr. Schuler. What would you say to young athletes as well as their parents who may already be dealing with the painful impacts of poor training practices and pushing themselves past healthy limits? How can they have hope? How can they Think about ways of taking care of their bodies.
0: The vast majority of these adolescent athletes that I see as patients, their problem is they really don't have the right strength. They may be very strong in a specific exercise or two, but they don't have the global strength, the core strength, and the flexibility. And most importantly, having that core strength in a dynamic fashion that they can hold the appropriate muscles contracted when they're bending, twisting, moving. And so they'll go to the gym and, and they'll start squatting with their friends because that's what's cool. They'll be doing their bench press or curls, but they don't really have the true core strength. So what we need them to do is to work with a qualified therapist or a trainer who truly understands the spine and build this comprehensive core strength and flexibility and maintaining that mobility, which is far more important than just brute strength. In fact, If all we do is work on brute strength in certain exercises, the players will spend more time injured and ultimately have less success because while they may be great in the gym on a certain set of exercises, it doesn't really translate to functional motion in a way that they can avoid problems.
1: I really love your use of the word there, functional motion, because a lot of the time people are training incorrectly. And and I think that's such wise advice about Finding a specialist who can look at core strengthening and, you know, at age appropriate levels to help support the spine as it grows so that the appendages that dangle off your spine don't don't pull you down or cause injury. And that that's just such great insight there. Doctor Schuler, we are so appreciative for you joining us today, sitting down with us and telling us the stories that you see in your practice and, and being willing to share your thought-provoking expert opinions about how to protect young athletes in their lives. I know that your expertise and the stories you've shared with us will inspire others to share preventative measures with their families and loved ones help them to implement healthier training routines, and really to have hope that they can build strong bodies as they're going through life and getting themselves ready for their adult life and being able to live their best lives.
0: The important thing to know is to succeed takes more than just strength. It takes hard work, it takes commitment, but it really takes having a blueprint for a comprehensive program and to understand what really needs to be achieved. And to be a high-level athlete especially nowadays because everybody keeps getting better and better at things, you really have to have this comprehensive strength and flexibility. And I think that understanding the need for that and not overstressing the young kids as their bodies are growing is critical. If they truly have talent, it will show. What's important is not to ruin them in the process as they're riding up the hierarchy of sports and allow them to physically develop and avoid the overuse injuries and the overtraining injuries so that they can have the best quality of life and be healthy and happy both physically and mentally.
1: Dr. Schuler, one of the things you said a few minutes ago is that people can think about integrating physical therapy or, or you know, very highly trained individuals who understand spine and wellness. One of the things that I think people don't realize is that you don't have to have a doctor's prescription To see a physical therapist. Can you talk to me a little bit about accessibility to physical therapy and what benefits that may be for adolescent athletes?
0: Each state has its own laws, so I can't speak to every state across the country, but in Virginia, a patient can treat with a therapist for 30 days without a physician prescription. So they can go see a therapist. But just like all professions in life, not all therapists are equal, not all therapists are great. And so you have to find a therapist who truly understands athletes and sports and wants to focus on that. And if you find that individual and they can work with you, then hopefully they can help you develop the right exercise and training program. And if you're working with a trainer, there can be many very good trainers, but you have to make sure that they're used to dealing with the same age of athletes and they have a good track record and not a lot of injuries. If somebody is pushing heavy squatting as the main thing to be doing, I'm a little concerned about that. And not to say squatting's bad because we squat every time we sit in a chair. But you have to be careful on what the program is. And it isn't just to see who can raise the most weight, but who has the most functional body at the end of the section. That's what's critical.
1: Dr. Schultz, those are great insights into finding the right therapist. What are some other things that people can think about when they're trying to find a good therapist or a good trainer? What are some other things? I mean, I guess you try to, Look at their training. What are some other things that people should look for when they're trying to identify the right trainer for them or the best trainer for them?
0: Well, you have to find somebody who can individualize a program. It can't be one size fits all because everybody is so different. So you have to find somebody who is able to spend the time with you, customize a program, and to work with you and the needs that you have or your child has. And I think so often. People see the therapist once and next thing you know, they're working with an aide for the rest of the month until they see the therapist again, which is what most insurances require, is that the therapist must examine the patient once a month, which means they have an aide doing most of the time with the patient. That's not going to be effective for an athlete who's trying to reach the highest level. The other thing is that the athlete has to feel that they're being challenged and pushed which only happens best if there's a good dialogue between the patient, in this case an adolescent athlete, and the therapist. So there has to be communication. Are we pushing hard enough? Are we making progress? Do we feel like we're wasting our time? Are we seeing gains? If you're in a good therapy program, you will see significant changes and improvement within two weeks. Doesn't mean the problem goes away in two weeks, but you should see improvement in two weeks. If you're not seeing improvement in two weeks, that approach isn't working. and it may be a good therapist, but there has to be communication with them to say, that's not working. What should we do different? Or if there's not communication, then that's not the right therapist.
1: Well, those benchmarks are really, really useful. That's very helpful to think about a two-week time frame as being a good uh, benchmark. That's fantastic. Dr. Shuler, you are a very busy spine surgeon. You have an incredibly busy, successful spine practice, and we are so grateful for you spending time with us today and working us into your busy life. Again, we are very appreciative of your expert opinion, your insights your personal life history, your professional experience here and sharing that with us today. I thank you on behalf of all of us at the Spine Health Foundation and all of the listeners who are going to benefit in hearing your messages of hope and safety and living your best lives. At the National Spine Health Foundation, something we believe in most is providing hope for recovery through sharing stories of success and expertise. It isn't always easy to find someone to relate to, even though 100 million Americans suffer from neck or low back pain each year. To hear more stories of success and access educational materials about Spine Health, visit us at spinehealth.org. If you're interested in supporting our show financially, you can contribute at the link provided. Thank you for listening.